Hello, Nexus Church family, to our series that we've titled Winning the War in Your Mind. This is based off of the Craig Rochelle book that's titled The Same Thing. And in this series, I encourage you to pick up a copy of that book and dig into it for yourself and examine some of these things that we are discussing in our time together. In this series, we're going to be taking a look at exactly where is the battlefield in this world. You see, we talk about spiritual health, we talk about physical health, we talk about relational and financial health in the church world, but so often we miss out on the power of the mental health, the emotional health. And many people don't like to talk about it because it reveals some things that are deep inside of them or people they know and love that they would just as soon not talk about. But we're going to be tackling that. And the beautiful thing is the Bible is full of truths that can help you, as Romans 12, 2 says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That is what the Word of God does. And I hope that through this series, you will be renewed by the power of God's truth and see yourself become whole not just in one aspect in your life, but in all aspects of your life. Now, if you have more questions or concerns or comments, you can email us at nexuschurchmn at gmail.com, nexuschurchmn at gmail.com, or you can private message us in Facebook or Instagram. However, we can connect with you and help you become renewed in your mind. Enjoy today's message. Welcome back, Nexus Church family, to another week in our series, Winning the War in Our Mind. Now, in this series, we're discussing how we can find victory through the power of Jesus Christ. But today, we're going to take kind of a detour, but not really. It, it does indeed correlate with what we've been talking about. Today, we just want to really discover God's desire to make you whole, or simply put, to heal. Now, I realize that in our society today, we are surrounded, we are infiltrated with old lots of evil. But I want to boldly state today that, in fact, God desires to make you whole. And today we're going to be looking at a bunch of passages in the Bible that indicate God's desire to make you whole. But before we do, we want to establish the reality that this world is not as God intended. In just a moment, we're going to turn to Genesis chapter 1, and we're going to look at truly what God's original intent was. But the reality is, is it's not that way anymore. And God clearly tells us that in Romans chapter 3. And, and we just want to begin by just digging into scriptures. And so if you don't have a Bible, I encourage you to, to get a Bible and mark these passages down and look for it yourself. We believe that ultimately all truth comes through God. And God gave us his truth 
through what we call the Holy Scriptures or the Bible. And so one of the books in the Bible is called the Book of Romans. And this was a, a guy who was kind of like a missionary to the unknown people groups in his time that didn't know God. And so he wrote to them. And he stated this, and I find it fascinating. He says, what then? Are we better off? Are we better off than those who don't know God? Not at all. For we have already charged that both Jews and Gentiles, that is, Jews were the chosen people of God, or at least were before Jesus came, and then Gentiles. Gentiles were those who didn't have God. Right? So are, whom God already charged that both Jews and Gentiles are all under sin. Everybody does wrong, right? As it is written, this goes back now to before Jesus. He's quoting from passages before Jesus. There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. All alike have become worthless. There is no one who does what is good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They deceive with their tongues. Viper's venom is under their lips. Their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and wretchedness are in their paths. And the path of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Then jumping to verse 23, he sums it up in this statement. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We have all made mistakes. And in fact, every person on the face of this earth makes mistakes. Simply put, we live with brokenness surrounding us. We live in a messed up people. We are surrounded by physical pain that is brought upon our fallenness. We are surrounded by relational stress, constant friction. We have mental struggles, emotional struggles that are brought upon the stress and anxiety that we cause each other. We are under financial hardship because of people taking advantage of others and not caring for one another as God originally intended. We are surrounded by social unrest. (laughs) Big time right now, right? We are under spiritual separation because of the fact that we are fallen. Suffering is everywhere. Jesus put it this way in John 10.10. A thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. There's one thing we know over the last three years. There's a whole lot of killing and destroying and stealing going on inside of us and around us. The enemy of our soul, that is Satan, is doing everything in his power to ruin us to take advantage of us, to cause us great harm. Yet Jesus continued in John 10.10, and he said, I have come that they may have life and have it in abundance. I don't know about you, but there seems to be more destruction that he talks about at the beginning of John 10.10 and a lot less abundant life that he closes with. So what do we do? What do we do with this reality that we are surrounded by such pain and agony and separation? Well, for some people, 
they step back and they question God. If God is so good, if he wants peace, if he wants harmony, if he wants joy, then why are we experiencing this? And they separate themselves from God because if God is good, he wouldn't allow this. But I believe that it's important to understand, and I will boldly state this, that God still wants to make you whole. God still wants to make you whole. You see, it was God's original intent. And as we would read in John or in Genesis chapter 3, if you would go there and you would read it for yourself, it wasn't us. It was the enemy who tricked us. We fell for it. And because we fell for his trick and we chose to do what God asked us not to do, we fell into our current predicament of pain and sorrow. But God originally intended it to be good. I want to read for you Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 through 31. This is such a beautiful passage of of how God originally desired for us to live. Genesis 1, 27 says this. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. God also said, Look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant on the surface of the entire earth, and every tree whose fruit contains seed. This will be food for you. For all the wildlife of the earth, every bird of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth, everything having the breath of life in it, I have given every plant for food, and it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good indeed. God created us originally to have everything we need accounted for. We had relational connection that was perfect with him. We had relational connection with each other. It was perfect. We had all of our needs met whether physically or emotionally, everything was taken care of. That is God's original design. That is what God intended. But the reality is, because of sin that happened just a few moments after this in Genesis 3, we don't live in a perfect world anymore. This side of heaven, we will never see the perfection that God intended But yet, despite that, God shows up onto the scene in his son, Jesus Christ. In John 10, 10, he proclaimed, I give abundant life. So though we may not experience that perfection because of the, the mess around us, we can still live abundantly in Jesus. And so how does that look? For the remainder of our time, I want to talk about what wholeness looks like. What is the purpose of God healing us? What what does God heal? Where, Where can we look in the Bible and see that God heals? What does that look like? And what does that mean for you today? What does what does ultimately it mean? 
And so let me begin by explaining the purpose of healing. God desires us to be restored to our original purpose of relationship with him, others, and the world around us. Desires that for every person. And so though we live in this broken world, and we will constantly, even though God makes us whole, we'll once again wake up the next day and have to experience brokenness. God can heal today, but tomorrow that doesn't guarantee that we won't face another ailment. And so when God heals, it does things. And I want to read for you from Acts chapter 16, verses 16 through 34. Again, today is going to be a little bit different because we're really honing in on what does God's word say about healing. And so in John 16, 16, we read of a powerful example of God healing. It does it in multiple ways, but it all has one purpose. Ultimately, God heals to restore us and to bring him glory. He wants to have relationship with us. And through that relationship, he is glorified. He is honored. His original intent is fulfilled, and he is brought so much pleasure when we have a relationship with him. He desires that all humanity will come and worship him and have that relationship that was originally placed in the Garden of Eden. So let's look at this passage and see the multiple things that God heals in this story. Once, as we were on our way to prayer, now this is Luke, he's a doctor who wrote the Gospel of Luke and now is writing this history in the book of Acts of the early church. And so he says, as we were on our way to prayer, a slave girl met us who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She made a large profit for her owners by fortune-telling. She was being prostituted for her fortune-telling, right? As she followed Paul and us, she cried out, these men who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation are the servants of the Most High God. She did this for many days. Paul was greatly annoyed and turning to the spirit that was inside of her, she was consumed, she was not in her right mind, said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out of her right away. She was removed of this affliction inside of her. She was in her right mind. When her owners realized that their hope for a prophet was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities, bringing them before the chief magistrates. They said, these men are seriously disturbing our city. They are Jews and are promoting customs that are not legal for us as Romans to adopt or practice. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the chief magistrates stripped off their clothes and ordered them to be beaten with rods. And after they had severely flogged them, they threw them in jail, ordering the jailer to guard them carefully. Receiving such an order, he put them into the inner prison and secured their feet with stocks. This is not looking good. I don't know about you, but I've never experienced anything quite like this. I've never been broken this, this bad for doing good, for healing, being God's agent of healing. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Crazy, right? Like, that's some serious faith. Suddenly there was... Such a violent earthquake that the foundation of the jail 
were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains became loose. When the jailer woke up and saw the doors of the prison standing open, he drew his sword and was going to kill himself since he thought the prisoners had escaped. He would have been executed anyway, right? So he was going to do it himself so he wouldn't be humiliated or his family. But Paul called out in a loud voice, don't harm yourself because we're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. He escorted them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? He said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved, you and your household. They spoke the word of the Lord to him along with everyone in his house. He took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. Right away, he and his family were baptized. Listen to this. He brought them into his house, set a meal before them, rejoiced because he had come to believe in God with his entire household. What do we see here? A slave girl was freed from her emotional or, or mental disease that was inflicting her. God delivered people who were bound to be executed that were in prison. God saved a man from killing himself for what would have came upon his household and his name. All of that happened. But ultimately, what, came, what, did, what did it come down to? Salvation. Restoration with God. Ultimately, the purpose of a healing is obviously because God cares for us, but ultimately it is to bring all people to the throne of Jesus. That is ultimately the purpose of a healing. God is glorified. People are saved. Today, I believe without a doubt, God wants to heal. God wants to heal. It is for his kingdom. It's for good. He is good. He desires for you to be made whole. And how does he do it? How does he do it? There are multiple reasons for why God wants to heal, but ultimately it is for his kingdom. And how he does it, we find it all over scripture, especially in the New Testament. And so I want to begin by looking at four real purposes of how God heals. First one is, of course, something we've already discussed. It's for spiritual wholeness. God heals to make people spiritually whole, right? Ultimately, he gets the glory, his kingdom is built, but he does it through healing your spiritual being, place with God. 1 John 4, 9 through 10 says, God showed how much he loved us by sending his son his only son, into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we love God, here it is, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sin. God heals spiritual connection to him. He desires for us to be restored to him, to have a right relationship with him. John, or Romans 5, 8 puts it this way, but God showed his love for us and while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We did nothing to make ourselves right with God. Jesus did everything. When we were helpless, when we could do nothing, God sent his son and he provided a way for us to be right. Paul put it this way in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin. He was perfect. 
so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We can now stand in God's presence if we've asked Jesus to forgive us and to give our lives to him. We are in God's eyes perfect as his son is perfect. We are in right standing with God. God's ultimate desire again is so that we can have a restored relationship to him. That is why he heals. Now the next healing is probably the most well-known healing that we talk about, and that is physical wholeness. God desires to physically make us whole. This is found in Matthew 8, 14. And in this passage, this very short passage, just a few verses, we see Jesus healing not only somebody he knew, but people he didn't know in multiple ways. One small little passage. Matthew 8, 14 says, when Jesus went into Peter's house and saw his mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever, he touched her hand and the fever left her. Then she got up and began to serve him. When evening came, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. He drove out their spirits with word and healed all who were sick. So that what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be filled, he himself took our weaknesses and carried our diseases. Jesus is glorified when people are miraculously healed. Jesus healed people throughout the New Testament. If you read the, the gospel accounts continuously, Jesus did miracles. And many of them included physical healings. But notice in this passage that he also, once again, just like we read with, with Paul and Silas, he delivered people of demon possession. Now, demon possession isn't something that we see very often in America, right? Or in our Western culture. But it's still prevalent in other parts of the world. I believe, now this is my personal belief, but I think there's some validity to it. I believe that demon possession in America is much more hidden. He knows that if the enemy of our soul knows that if he made it that obvious and that crazy, he would lose power and control. But when he can subtly creep in through anxiety, through depression, and you name the countless diseases that we run as mental illness or emotional illnesses, he can win over people. So we're stressed out, tired, emotionally distressed, relationally distressed. God delivered people who weren't in their right mind. He desires to do that today. Now we think, again, that God heals physically and that only means external things, but I believe he can heal as we've been talking in our series, Winning the War in Our Mind. I believe that he wants to heal us mentally as well or emotionally as well. Our mind is just as much physical 
as our hands and feet. It's a physical thing. It does a lot. It's very important, and we don't treat it like it should. We should be praying for our emotional and mental healings as much as physical healings. In Matthew 10, 1, Jesus said to his disciples, he called them and gave them the authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every, yeah, every kind of disease and illness. Every kind of disease and illness. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can pray for healings. Physical, emotional, mental. Those are all parts of our internal and external beings that all matter to God. And if he did it in the Bible, he wants to do it still today. God didn't close the Bible and say, all that happened then is for then only, not for today. His Holy Spirit is still here and still wants to move. But God doesn't only, not only want to do the internal and external personal things in our lives, he cares about our relational or social wholeness. Throughout Acts and Romans, we read of frictions between Christians. If you noticed it in Romans, we talk about the Jew and Gentile, right? There was this friction between the former chosen people of God, the Israelites, and now the sinners or the Gentiles, those who were outside the faith at one point, but now were being welcomed in because of Jesus providing the way for forgiveness of sins. And so they came in, and there was this friction between them. And there was this constant kind of like just battle. It was over silly things, but it was real. And so Paul comes in to Ephesians, and he writes this book, and it's directed right away to this friction. Listen to what he says in Ephesians chapter 2. Again, a little lengthier passage again today. In verse 11. So then remember that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcised by those called the circumcised. Again, this is the battle between the former chosen people of God and now the new people who are welcomed in as well. At that time, you were without Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel, the foreigners to the covenant of promise, without hope and without God in the world. Again, just addressing that. But now in Christ Jesus, you who are far away have been brought near to the blood of Christ. For he is our peace who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility. Right? This, is, this is deep stuff, like it's theological that we won't get into. But God was breaking down that barrier. In his flesh, he made no effect of the law consisting of commands and expressed in regulations so that he might create in himself one new man from the two, resulting in peace. Paul's saying, it is time to be united. Jesus provided a way for us to be one. Goes on. He did this so that he might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross by which he put hostility to death. He came and proclaimed the good news of peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow, citizenship, fellow citizens with the saints 
and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Jesus Christ himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole building being put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Here it is. In him, you are also being built together for God's dwelling in the Spirit. There's so much in that passage. I would love to spend some time on it. Maybe we'll do that at some point. But simply put today, God provided a way to make us one. He put to rest that friction that was happening at that time, and he wants to do it today. What's separating the church? What's separating Christians? What's separating humankind? At one point, it was predominantly, at least in the Christian world, over theology. You believe this way, and I believe this way. And there was little tiny battles between them. Today, I believe more than ever, the church is divided deeply and broadly. And it's destroying so much of what Christ did to make us one. It used to be theology. Now it's you, you name it. There's so much. It's politics. It's social movements. It's medicine. It's ethnicity. It's education. It's the border. It's environment. It's marriage. And here's probably what's the hardest thing of all. You look at all these topics that we're dividing on in our culture right now today in 2022, the fall of 2022, the biggest thing is, is none of this you can go to the Bible and truly make a statement about. These are our, in a sense, beliefs that are based on our knowledge and our understanding. And, and we take scriptures and we kind of piece it together to make it a statement that God isn't really saying. We can't take a side in so many of these things that we're saying, you cannot be a Christian if you believe that way. You can't come into the family of God if you're, if you're struggling with that or if you're believing that. It's not that we make excuses and we say, ah, this is the way it is and I'm just going to do and believe whatever I want. No, 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 I'm not saying that today. I'm saying we are making statements as Christians that says you can't be a part of our church. You can't be a part of our family because you are that. End of discussion. We're, we're, we're making statements online in, in social media that is not in any way, shape, or form depicting who Christ is. Christ welcomed everybody. He loved them, and he walked beside them and showed them how to live for Christ. He didn't lambast lost people who don't know Jesus. He welcomed them, and he loved them, and he took time with them. To those who were lost without hope, he was amazingly patient and caring. To those who thought they knew everything and were critical and pointed fingers, those are the ones who were pushed aside. Be careful. God doesn't want to divide. Yes, truth will ultimately divide those who believe and those who don't. But on these preferable things, be careful. Because I have a hunch that some of these people that you're ostracizing or you're making statements online about might be the very ones that 
He'll be standing next to worshiping God someday in heaven. God wants to unite. In him, we are being built together for God's dwelling in the spirit. You see, diversity and unity will inhabit all of eternity. Diversity and unity will inhabit eternity. Well, the last piece that I want to talk about God making whole today is financial. This is a big one. This is one where I feel like probably most people are going to struggle the most with. Kind of funny because all these other ones I find probably more important, <laughs> like relational, internal connection with the Holy Spirit is obviously giving our lives to Jesus is, is, is paramount to all of this. But the hardest one for people to truly, in the Western culture anyway, see God moving is finances. Why is that? Because we have so much. We have so much to lose if we trust God. There's a lot on the line. But God cares for your needs. God cares for your needs. He wants to help you to have wholeness. He wants to have you have abundance of life. That doesn't mean abundance of finances, abundance of life. That you're not controlled by what you have or what don't you have. What's in your bank account for retirement? What's not in your bank account for retirement? What kind of car you have? What kind of house you have? How many rooms you have? God cares more about who you are and what's inside of you, your life. And we see this perfectly in Matthew chapter 6 where Jesus just lays it down for us in verse 25. He says, Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or weep or gather in barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add one moment of his lifespan by worrying? Why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet, I tell you, that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. That's how God clothed the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow. Won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? So don't worry, says it again. <laughs> kind of repeats himself a little bit. What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. Now, in this phrase, he's saying, currently, those who are far from God, they do these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, guess what? Don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough of its own. Trouble. Simply put, God will provide for your need. But ultimately, we need to trust. And that means you have an open hand to what he asks of you. And then receive when he blesses you with your needs. 
an open hand. God will provide. So today, as we end our time together, I want to state the obvious. Every single person listening, that's you listening right now, even by yourself, are not living in perfect wholeness. Maybe it's spiritual. You need to give your life to Jesus and experience the freedom that he has of not having to worry about where he will spend eternity. Maybe it's emotional. You're not emotionally whole or mentally whole. Maybe your relationships or your social life is just a wreck. Maybe it's just so-so. Maybe you'd like to have better relationships with your kids or your spouse or your parents, coworkers, friends. Or maybe it's your finances or some combination. The reality is your wholeness is closer than you think. But yet, it'll take more trust than most are willing to give. Your wholeness, your healing, is way closer than you could ever imagine. But for most, you won't give God total control. Let's go back up to Matthew 6, 33, where Jesus stated that we must seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these will be provided for you. This verse says it perfectly. And I want to get very practical with you today. Because I, I so believe that healing is available for you. I really do believe that. Now, it might look differently than what you think it will. But I believe God will make you whole in the, in the sense that is in this world. Right? Wholeness looks different than you will have in eternity where everything is perfect, right? We won't have perfection here, but I believe you can have wholeness here. There's a difference. Wholeness encompasses all of you, not just part of you. And so today I want to get very practical and help you to find wholeness and to get back to expecting God to do a work in and through you. You're not done yet. You are left on earth for a purpose. He loves you. He has plans for you. He cares for you. If you don't get anything else out of today, understand that. He cares for you. And if you would step into this, this simple statement that I'm going to leave for you today, you're going to experience life and life in abundance that Jesus promised you. Wholeness is available for you. So as this verse says, you need to seek God. You need to get to know God. Before a healing can happen, you have to know God. Let's put it this way. Trust begins with knowledge. Think about that. Trust begins with knowledge. If I don't trust someone, I don't trust you, if I don't trust a doctor, if I don't trust a mechanic, if I don't trust somebody, I'm not going to ask them to do anything that is important to me, right? I'm going to do it myself. If I don't know God, I will not trust him. I will not give myself to him. 
And so if you don't know God today, if you haven't sought him and seek him first every day of your life, how will you ever trust him? How will you ever give him control of things that are difficult for you, that you're fighting through? You have to know God and then trust him. You need to trust him. You need to go to him and boldly ask for that thing that is so hard for you, that has been a heartbreak for you for so many years. Trust and then boldly ask. He already knows, right? Like, that's exactly what we just read in Matthew. He knows your needs. He cares about you. He wants the best for you. He wants you to have abundant life. That's why he sent Jesus, right? So, Press in, know him, know that he cares for you, boldly ask him, and then give him control of this situation. Whatever it is, trust him. Give him control. <laughs> I'm going to say something that's probably so stinking obvious, but it's so powerful. That you cannot perform a miracle, but he can. You need to let go of control. You need to let go of control. So as we end our time together today, that's your job. That's all you have to do. But again, your healing is as close as you could imagine. But it's a lot more than most are willing Will you seek him every day? Seek him first. Know him. Trust him. Give him control. Give him control. Father, I pray for every person listening today. God, you know exactly where they're at. You care for them deeply. And you want them to have abundant life. You want them to be whole. Now, I realize, Father, that we live in a broken world and we'll continually face things that are heartbreaks. It's, it's, it's around us every day, all the time. But God, you continue to fight for us. You continue to desire the best for us. And you won't stop. And so I pray for every person listening today that they don't stop seeking you. They don't stop pressing you. They may be in the most difficult season in their life, but God, keep pressing into them that you love them, that you want to connect with them, and that they can trust you, that they can give their life to you and, and just let you do what you want to do. So God, do that for every person today. Remind them of your great love for them, so much so that you would take their place to give them life. Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. And if you have any questions or if you need prayer, please contact us at nexuschurchmn at gmail.com, nexuschurchmn at gmail.com, or you can message us through Facebook or Instagram. We, again, look forward to seeing you real soon.